Lord, we thank you today as we place our trust in you. We cannot be shaken. We thank you. Your word tells us that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Irrespective of the seasons we pass through in this life, we thank you. You're always there by our side, ready to help us, to be with us, to assist us, to aid us, comfort us, strengthen us. Lord, your care to us is incredible, and we love you so much. Thank you for being with us. What a joy it is to be together in this place, to sing our praise to you, to give thanks to you, to honor you with our lips. David said, let everything within me bless the Lord. No wonder, no wonder he wanted to bring everything about his life into blessing you because of the care, the goodness, the abundance of your love is so vast. And we realize that, we recognize that, and we thank you for it as your people. And all God's people said, isn't it great today to be in God's house together? It really is wonderful, really is so encouraging just to sing and praise and declare his word. He is so good. Jesus is so, so wonderful. You may be you may be seated. Hallelujah. <clears throat> let's thank our musicians and our singers. I usually say let's thank our musicians and forget the singers. <laughs> but um, what a wonderful blessing. What a wonderful blessing they are to us. And what, I tell you, what an encouragement from Joseph. Were you encouraged by that? I was fired up, man. Fired up by the Word of God in him. And it's so, it is so great, you know. We, we have Dave and we have Paul and we have uh, Joseph. We have Tarbo. We have, Faith. we have many others that come up to charge us with the Word of God. And um, it's just so exciting. And we want to see more and more of that every week, you know, just to be encouraged and to be strengthened by uh, the body that's here in this place. We've got wonderful people, wonderful servants of God, both men and women in this house. Some of them are serving in children's church and in creche this morning. And, um, you know, they are imparting into our children uh, the Word of God in a world that's very uncertain, full of mixed kind of, kinds of messages, we need to come under the voice of hope, the voice of God's Word. And it's wonderful to have the sound of many voices that all come under God's voice and impart into our children. Do you know, as my children have grown up, 
over these last years now. Daniel's the oldest. He's 17 years of age. And you know, over those 17 years, there's been many, many voices in this house, in this church, that have spoken into Daniel's life, into Eden's life, Sienna's life, and Summer's life. Uh, they've spoken good things. Not all of them are here now. Some of them have moved on. Many of them have moved on. But whilst they've been here, they've spoken into my children. And my children are not a result of just, you know, our faithful parenting of them. We do the best that we can do. We make a lot of mistakes, right? But I thank God for people uh, young and old, that have input into my children. The church is such a wonderful community and body of people. So I really, we really owe our lives to this church. I tell you, I have the privilege with Faye um, of pastoring you as a pastor. But you know what? I am privileged to be in this house. When I first turned up here many years ago, I won't go into it, but I was broken. I was a broken life that people took hold of, cared for, loved on, and spoke into. And I'm still getting my act together now, right? But I tell you now, when we arrive in this place, we and, and I'm sure you can, you can reflect on this, we arrive in all kinds of conditions. But God is so good. He's so loving. He's so gracious. He really is. Dale and myself were, were out on Monday night telling people about Jesus. And uh, Dale, me, Dale, and my mum out with Tony and the outreach team. And Dale was just telling some young people, and, and he does this often, and every time he does it, it really encourages me. He's, one of his lines in his testimony is this. I was in a pub in Newport when Jesus met me. Isn't it wonderful where Jesus will meet you? Isn't it wonderful what he'll do with you? How he'll change your life and um, just bless it and enrich it. And the young people are just looking there. What? I thought Jesus went to church, not to pubs. No, he goes. He goes wherever we are because he, he loves us. So never forget that. What a blessing it is to be here and just to be under his care and in his presence. Amen. Wonderful. Have a look around a minute. Look at all of the family that you, that you belong to. And those who are watching online, they may not be here this morning, but they're a part of this family as well. Wonderful. Well, last week, if you remember, the Holy Spirit impressed on our hearts such a great assuring word, a simple phrase in that it's going to be okay. Do you remember that? Very simple phrase. The Holy Spirit wanted to just seed in our hearts. If we're troubled, if we're struggling, if we're facing some, some, some big issues in life, the Holy Spirit wants each and every one of us to consider those words, to think about them, to allow them to settle in our minds and simmer and bubble in our hearts. It's going to be okay to every concerning question that you might have. Maybe about your health. Or about 
your relationships or about your family life, about your children's lives, maybe about your vocation and your career or about your future well-being, the Holy Spirit wants you to know it's going to be okay. It could be your age in life. And you're worried and concerned about your age in life because you're feeling not as strong as what you were. You're feeling frail. Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and assure you it's going to be okay. There's nothing uncertain about your future. In God, there's nothing unforeseen. He's seen the beginning and he's seen the end, and over it all, it's going to be okay. It's going to be just fine. Because, because, because when we allow God, our Father, to take control, he ensures that everything works together for good. Imagine for a moment all of the problems that you're ever going to face Standing before you like a great vast army, lines and lines of them queuing up to meet you. Small ones, medium-sized ones, and ones that are so big that they're beyond definition. And they're all fueled, all of these problems that are queuing up like a vast army to meet you, they're all fueled with one intention to frustrate, complicate, and break down your life. Ask yourself a question, a very important question. How are you going to answer this vast army that's against you? My favorite answer is, th is one that the Apostle Paul gives to any and every scheme of the devil. An answer that is so powerful that it will defeat any problem you will ever face. Paul's answer is so fantastic that it meets life at any and every occasion with victory, with triumph, with strength to conquer. When he faced his vast army of problems all chanting negatively at him, he didn't crumble under the pressure, he didn't surrender to the fear and wave a white flag. No, he sent out a question to every problem that he faced. In this way, by saying in Romans chapter 8, what shall we say concerning these things? If you examine the things that Paul is talking about, you will see that there was a vast army of problems and impossibilities arrayed against him. But he didn't leave that question that he sent out looming and unanswered. Paul answered his own question confidently and clearly by saying this. After asking the question... What shall we say concerning these things? He answers the question in the same sentence by saying this. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's a fact. 
fantastic answer, a fantastic attitude to hold in life. And this is our confidence. No matter what size problem you face in life or how the enemy attacks, your answer, your outlook, your attitude can be strong and confident knowing that God is for you. And in respect of that, what problem is there that can ever overcome you? If God is for me, he says, as he looks out at all of that arrayed army of problems against him, if God is for me, he says, who can be against me? Romans 8, 31. We may have read it already. This is what this great apostle declared. What an incredible revelation. What then? shall we say to these things this vast army of problems that's arrayed against me that's queued up in front of me all wanting to attack me and bring me down and overwhelm me what shall we say I know what we shall say if God is for me who can be against me who can be against us what was he saying to the church at Rome? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Look at your problems in a new way. Smile at all of the challenges of life. Irrespective of how complicated they might be, it's going to be okay because God is for me. Like Joseph said, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, whether it's moral, whether, whether it's physical, whatever it might be, it's going to be okay. Why? Because God is never going to desert his people. God is always on side. In fact, he makes us more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. It's going to be okay. Because God is never a passive observer or a spectator that stands on the sidelines critiquing our lives. No, he's intimately involved, David said. Intimately involved, ready to assist and to help an immediate friend right there at the scene of every crisis, in the darkness of every circumstance. I am the Lord, ready to help you in times of trouble. That's who he is a faithful friend what is it that troubles you what is it that troubles you you can go to him and have a conversation with him privately and he will sort things out without you even having to touch them that's the confidence that you have those that know their God will be strong and do great exploits the 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 fervent Prayers, the passionate prayers of a righteous man and woman avail much. This is the confidence that we have. God is with us. God is for us. He's not against us. Now, last Sunday, we started to look at how Mary and Joseph embraced God's word and obeyed it. And as we look at the first Christmas of Jesus coming into our world, being conceived and being born. We don't see a picture when you read the Word of God. You don't see a picture of comfort and ease. No, you see a scene of great trial, of test, 
as a young couple pursues God to obey his word. And even when they were faced with great personal challenge, even when they were faced with great personal change, they still pursued God's plan for their lives. This morning, we're going to look again at Mary and Joseph and just pick out another two key messages that come to us from their obedience as they lived to obey God's word. The first message for us to consider as we look at their lives is this. Place our faith in God's promise to overcome fear. That's one of the first messages that I want us to highlight this morning. That we are to place our faith in God's promise to overcome every fear. If there was one thing that could have hindered Joseph and Mary, if there was one thing that could have stopped them following God and pursuing his plan for their lives, it would have been fear. But as we take a bird's eye view of their journey of faith, we see them placing simple childlike faith in the word of God for their lives. This young couple would pass through some of the most horrendous circumstances, yet quietly, quietly, they placed their faith and their trust in God's promise and calmly overcame every obstacle that faced them. Do you know some of you here this morning, that's a word right there, those two words, quietly and calmly. You know, God sees, man, he sees your walk of faith and quietly and calmly you've been walking, you've been trusting. It's not been easy. You've wanted to speak. You've wanted to step into it with your own strength, but you've, you've allowed the fruit of the Spirit of self-control to hold back those emotions, to hold back those actions, and quietly and calmly you've approached a circumstance that would seem out of control and stubborn. I tell you now, God's going to honor you. He sees your walk of faith quietly and calmly. You've just continued unrelenting in your trust. He'll bring it in order. He will. He really will. You see, it's through faith and patience. Not through faith and the power of our strength. And, the, and, and, and our action and our involvement and our taking control. No, through faith and patience. Quietly and calmly. Just walking out, trusting him. He's going to put his hand on that situation. You mark my words. He's going to put his power on it and he's going to be Lord of it. He really is. And the needs in this room can be many and varied. Do you know what? God doesn't just specialize in one, in one need. God doesn't just specialize. That's right, Mark. God just doesn't specialize in taking action and control over one event. He can do anything and everything. There is not anything that can match him, match his power. Everything comes under his control and and. 
This is the word. This is the word. I want, I'm just hearing this now. I think it's in Romans. You can check it out in your concordance on Google. It says this, if I can remember it. He works all things together after the counsel of his will. That stubborn problem, that awkward attitude, that, that issue that, that you just can't put your hand on, let me tell you now, it's under the gaze of God because you prayed about it. He's watching it. And at the given moment of time, it'll all come and it'll come under the counsel of his will. He works all things together after the counsel of his will. Amen. Amen. Just be encouraged. Be encouraged quietly and calmly. Just keep walking. No matter how provoked you feel, no matter how frustrated you might be, quietly and calmly. Quietly and calmly. Just let God work. You take your hands off it. You have. You have taken your hands off it. Now, God, it's over to you. And he'll do what you can't do. He really, he really will. The Bible doesn't give us a partial picture about this couple. It gives us a very detailed picture of the life of Mary and Joseph as they faced their challenges and obeyed God's word. Of course, it records those beginning moments of when Gabriel arrived in Nazareth to announce God's great favor on Mary. It also records the dream that Joseph had of the angel reassuring him to take Mary as his bride and to name the child that would be born, Jesus, because he would save his people from their sins. They are amazing moments. The Bible shows us in detail those great, wonderful, glorious moments. But if they were the only details that the Word of God shows us, we would think that this young couple had an easy ride. If we only saw the headlines of Gabriel's announcement of favor to Mary and the reassurance that he gives to Joseph about taking Mary as his betrothed wife, we would think that there would be no challenge, no trial, no darkness in this couple's life. But this first Christmas was not just about God's incredible word of favor to this young couple. It was about a walk of faith that had to conquer many real fears and a vast, vast army of problems that were queued up against them to hinder them and to stop them doing what God wanted them to do. They had to walk out a very real faith to overcome the fears that they faced. But they pressed through to obey God's word. The headline news from the angel announced God's favor over them. But the fine print of life to fulfill that promise was complicated, challenging, mysterious, and full 
of sudden abrupt changes. Life contradicted Mary and Joseph on every front. Contradicted everything that God had said to them. Think of it for a moment. Soon after receiving God's word and believing it, soon after Mary had said in Nazareth, be it done unto me according to your word. I'm the servant of God. Soon after that, they had to make a sudden move and change location. Joseph and Mary were probably getting everything ready in Nazareth, in their home in Nazareth, for the arrival of this new, wonderful baby. Preparing their home as you do. When Caesar Augustus suddenly commanded that a census had to be taken for everyone to return to their place of birth to register. So now, Joseph and Mary had to travel. Listen, talk about sudden change of location. They had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They had to travel suddenly on a journey of 100 miles from their home that they had prepared for this new arrival. Mary was heavily pregnant, about to give birth, but they had to leave. Yet, the incredible thing is, now, I don't know whether they realized this, maybe they didn't, but the incredible thing about all of this event that seemed so chaotic was that they were fulfilling a prophecy that Micah had given hundreds of years before about Jesus, the Savior, being born in Bethlehem. It looked as if they were being manhandled by circumstance. It looked as if Caesar Augustus was controlling the direction of their life. But the bigger picture, the prophetic picture, the plan of God from all eternity was actually maneuvering them, maneuvering them specifically to Bethlehem to bring the Savior into our world. They didn't even have time to prepare for accommodation. When they arrived, everywhere was full, and Mary was about to give birth. It looked in the natural as if everything was falling apart. It looked in the natural as if everything was crumbling down when it came to fulfilling and obeying God's word to them, when in fact, their steps were being ordered. In the natural, it looked crazy. But in the spiritual, they were being maneuvered and transported by circumstance and crisis right into a position to fulfill the prophecy that Micah had given. I believe it's in Micah chapter 5. Incredible. Incredible. Do you know, sometimes there can be all kinds of strange and weird things happening around us in our lives. Circumstances, we are just scratching our head not knowing what to do or where to turn. And we think, my goodness me, is God at work? I tell you something now, it's in those times very often that God is at work. And things are changing and things are coming into 
position for your life, for a new season, for God to fulfill his purpose in your life. You know, in amidst all of this crisis, in amidst all of this change, in amidst this, this arduous journey, this hundred-mile journey, where it seemed as if everything was falling apart. Do you know what's amazing? When you read these, these moments of darkness that they're in, do you know what's amazing? You don't hear them complaining. You don't hear any despondency coming from their heart. You don't even hear them questioning God. They just simply trust and obey. As the hymn says, trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus other than to trust and obey. Hallelujah. That's what you see when you read this. Luke chapter 2 verse 4 to 7 says this, just recounting these moments, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judah to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room for them. Everything was on the run. It was on the run, but they were in faith. It was unordered, but they realized that they were walking out the Word of God and just in simplicity of faith and obedience of heart. They just wanted to please Him. And they end up, in Joseph's hometown to fulfill a census that Caesar Augustus had sent out throughout the world so that he could get more revenue from the taxes of the people. That was his motive, but God's higher purpose, God's prophetic purpose, God's word that had been declared and settled in the heaven about the Savior being born in Bethlehem was the other flip side of the coin, and prophecy was being fulfilled while a man tried to fulfill his lust and greedy heart to tax the entire world. It's amazing what God can do. He is sovereign. Don't just look and be confused about what's happening within our world and the crisis and all of this bad news. I tell you, God is sovereign. God is providential over every single detail and circumstance in life. His providence is magnificent. My, my grandfather always used to go on about the providence of God. The providence of God. He pastored a church. He was a Baptist minister called Providence. It was like God gave him his heart's desire in his older age. But, but before he pastored the, 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 the chapel, Providence in Ebervale, he always used to go. He always used to t encourage me, David, God is providential. What do you mean, Gramp? I didn't know. I, I don't know if I know now. 
It's so vast. The providence of God is so vast. What I believe it means is God is in every detail. God is in every circumstance. God is in every event. You can't take him out of any circumstance. You can't take him out of any life event. You can't take him out. He's in it all. Bible puts it like this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the good and the evil. Evil men and evil women think that they can hide from God and do what they want to do. I tell you something now. It's a bit embarrassing when you realize that God is watching. He's watching. His eyes are there. His eyes are in every place. He's providential. Sovereign. And that's what he was in this situation. And they walked through the confusing circumstance and the whirlwind of experience that they had. God was ordering everything exactly, even though it seemed so disordered. When we look at Mary and Joseph's life, we see a message that speaks of great faith in God's word. And that's a message to all of us. Keep believing his word. Amen. Keep thanking him for his word. I remember saying to Mark, I've said this a number of times. I haven't said it for a long time. But I remember saying to Mark one day, this is a man of faith, I tell you. I remember saying to Mark one day, Mark, I'm believing one day you're going to get out of that wheelchair. Do you know what he said to me? I'm already out, die. <laughs> That's faith. That's faith right there. Right there. I'm already out, die. He's already standing on his feet. Hallelujah. What a great, great man of faith, I tell you. Wonderful. Mary and Joseph's life speaks of great faith in God's word, simple trust to follow him. And it shows us to place our faith in God's promise to overcome every fear. You might be afraid. You might be fearful. We all know what that's like. But like David, when he was afraid, he said this, I cried to the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. You see, even though he felt fearful, he still expressed his faith in feeling fearful because he directed his faith to God. You can feel fearful, but in that place of fear, direct your cry to God and he will deliver you from every fear. The next message that comes to us from this first Christmas is of how God provides light in the midst of darkness. Now we're not talking about a physical darkness here. We're talking about a spiritual darkness that tries to engulf our souls and overcome and overwhelm us like it did them. None of us want to go through dark times where circumstances are intense, where it's like we're in a straitjacket and we don't know what to do. None of us want to face times like that. 
where life is contradicting everything that we believe. And it seems as if we're taking more steps back than we are forward. But what we have to remember in amidst all of the darkness that we face, in amidst all of the uncertainty that tries to engulf us, is this. God gives light that darkness can never overcome. He'll turn the light on for you. In any situation, any perplexing circumstance, any crisis, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. But we go to him. We can do it for one another. We pray for one another. Hold each other up in prayer. I encourage you, pray for, take, look around this morning and don't necessarily tell the person, just spot them. I'm going to pray for you this week. Let's pray for one another. Encourage one another. Say, well, I don't know what to pray. Well, pray for them to be an overcomer. Pray for them to, to know the love of God. Pray for them to be strengthened. Pray in tongues over them. God turns the light on. When we go through darkness, and it's a light that darkness can never extinguish. The Apostle John tells us about the power of Christ's light in our world and how darkness can never overcome the light that Jesus gives. John chapter 1 verse 5, he says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it, overcome it, or put it out. Mary and Joseph, you look at their lives from that bird's eye view and you see that they were living in incredibly dark days. But God's light was shining on their way. Darkness could not extinguish it. No matter how powerful it was, God showed them the way through. After being visited by the wise men, Joseph is suddenly warned in a dream to flee to Egypt. I wonder why God didn't tell them about their moving to Egypt when he met Mary in Nazareth and said to her, highly favored. Ten months on or whatever it was, maybe more actually, maybe a, a year or two on, because Jesus was a child now when this dream came. A couple of years on, after knowing the favor of God and the hand of God on their lives and being directed by God now, the angel is saying, flee for your life. Run to Egypt. Mary didn't know about the 500-mile trip that they would have to take to Egypt. When she said, let it be done unto me according to your word. But when you surrender your life, when you surrender your heart as we have all done, we're accepting the fact that God can make any changes or adjustments on the course as we follow him. You talk about an adjustment on the course, a 500-mile adjustment on the course. And now they have to flee to Egypt and they're going to stay there for two years. But, but, 
See, it looks chaotic. It looks so spontaneous. It looks so sudden, but it's all planned prophetically. Because now, whilst they're fleeing from Herod, who is murdering, listen, tens of thousands of babies, tens of thousands of children to destroy the Christ child, as they're fleeing to Egypt for two years, prophetic word is being fulfilled. It looks chaotic. It looks crazy. It looks as if everything is, is just thrown and scattered all over the place. But word after word after word that has been spoken over many, many years, hundreds of years, thousands of years, in fact, is being fulfilled exactly. Matthew 2 Verse 13 to 15 says this, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. You listen to one side of the story, and it seems as if everything is under panic and in crisis. And it, it seems as if even the angel is afraid. Flee to Egypt. And they go under the darkness of the cover of the night, running almost for their life, but they're being transported and moved by God to fulfill his, his word. God counteracted this dark moment by taking them exactly to where they needed to be to fulfill his will and his word that he had Declared, circumstance became the very vehicle to transport them into a new chapter of where their faith was leading them. Finally, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in just a moment. Finally, Paul the Apostle talks about this very light that John speaks about, he talks about this light shining in our hearts, this light that can never be extinguished by darkness, this light that can never be overcome or overwhelmed by a greater power. Do you realize it shines in your heart? It really does. And we have the Word of God to substantiate this. Listen to Paul's words to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says this, For God, who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts. So we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. 
containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we, that's right, we get up again. I've heard that somewhere before. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. The light shines in the darkness. And irrespective what happens on the periphery of our lives, at the core center of our life in Christ, there is light. And it cannot be extinguished by any life event. Finally, this was Paul's attitude, as is our attitude. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. We've made this decision. We really have. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Look at circumstances, you look at what's happening around you, it might not be a pretty sight. There's lots of things sometimes that occur in our lives. And what we see, what we see can cause us concern. He's not saying that we bury our heads in the sand and, and you know, just kind of mutter, I've got faith, I've got faith, I've got faith, and you never open your eyes. No, this was a man with his feet firmly planted on the ground, a realist in every way, but a man that knew the dimension of an invisible world where he could put his faith and his trust. And whilst he saw many, many disturbing things that would cause concern, he had a greater faith in his heart that gave him assurance that God was working all things together for his good. Because he loved him. This is our confidence, church. This really is. And we go from this place today into another week with this assurance in our hearts. The world might come out with its announcements later in the week. They might not meet our approval. They might not meet many people's approval. It's a bit of a disturbing picture. To be honest with you, a concerning one with all of these variants and all and many, many other things, not just viruses, but wars and rumors of wars and all of these perplexing troubles. But, you know, whilst we might see all of these things, our walk is a walk of faith. You're going to do what you said you're going to do, God, and one day you're going to wrap it all up. You're going to wrap it all up and we're going to enter a brand new beginning as one old story comes to an end. There's going to be a brand new beginning where all things become new in him. Amen. Why don't we give Jesus a big shout of praise in this place? Hallelujah. We give you praise, Jesus. We give you praise. Lord, I thank you for your precious your precious people, so precious, each one of them handpicked, handpicked by you. 
not handpicked by any human hand, handpicked by God, handpicked by Jesus. Each and every life is so precious, so special to you. And Lord, I thank you. He wants you to know, church, and I'm going to close with this, otherwise I'm going to stay here all day. I'm going to close with this one. He wants you to know, listen now, the eyes of the Lord are on you. His ears are open. His ears are open. That thank you that you said when you faced that distressing news, that, that song that you sang when tears were coming down your, your eyes, that, that, that way in which you turned to him and prayed when you, when you were disappointed and felt defeated and felt ashamed and you, you just came to him with it. Oh, his eyes are upon you. His ears are open to your prayers. And there's not a prayer that's ever been missed or unheard. It's all, all held in his heart. Lord, we thank you for this. Thank you. We praise you as your people today. In Jesus' name. And over everything, we do believe. We really do. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because you are involved in every single minute detail. Hallelujah. You're the God. You are the God that created the dust particle under our nail through your genius. And you're the God that holds the sun, the moon, and all the planets in their course. You're involved in it all. Jesus, you hold all things together by the word of your mighty power. And we thank you for it. Amen.